Lone Star 187 is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case File 13, The El Paso Desert Killer. So this is the continuation of the story of the, the El Paso asshole. That's right. That's right, yes. Uh, we ended with him getting ready to go to court. They're going to try him on the sexual assault and aggravated kidnapping charges. So he goes to trial. He's got a court-appointed lawyer. His name is Luis Islas. And I know at this point we really haven't found anybody that's too salty, but this court-appointed lawyer is a little bit salty. Okay. Like you'll find out later on he's... He gets really pissed off a couple of times. So the first thing is his attorney is asking for, he files several motions. One of them is for the trial to be moved because this is obviously very public. Everybody knows what's going on. They also have people that are witnesses and people that are on the jury saying that they don't believe Wood can get a fair trial. So some of the other motions that are filed state, this is in quotes, a dangerous combination against David Wood by influential persons. To the extent that he cannot expect a fair trial. Uh, And so by the influential persons, they mean officers from the El Paso Police Department and the CAP Division. Remember, we talked about that last time. Mm -hmm. Because they, one, they were the ones that arrested him. And they were also exclusively investigating the bodies and stuff like that. So it seems like a conflict of interest. And I think it's a valid point, Mm -hmm. you know. I mean, this is January of 88. So the police are still not going to confirm or deny that they have anybody arrested specifically for... For the killings. Judge Baca is being asked to prohibit prosecutors during all phases of the trials from mentioning that Wood may be a suspect in the desert deaths. Other motions would prohibit prosecutors from mentioning that Wood may have used marijuana, he may have used the heroin and alcohol, and to also prohibit the state from introducing photographs which are not material or relevant for any other purpose than to inflame the jury. Yeah. Another motion asks that the judge throw out evidence obtained during the search of Wood's home because the consent to search was obtained by use of duress and coercion. The guy had his ass cornered in there. And Pretty much. We're going to go, we're, we're going to hammer down. That's right. We believe okay. you did it. Okay. And we've seen that in other stories that we've done. It's like it seems to be pretty prevalent. Unfortunately, well, the cops always lean on the stupid people. Yeah, which is sad. Or just people... continue to question them until they get what they get them to say what what they want, and the people are just like, I don't care. Whatever it's going to take to get me out of here, I'll say it. Whoever shuts you up, fine. If I say it, do I get to go home? Then yeah. I'm going to say it. They pick more the people that are just at the wrong place at the wrong time. They, they may not even have a past, but they're just able to get them to say what they want them to say. Kind of like you said last time that Doesn't if you ask the same past, the same question. <laughs> no, not the same question. If you it, ask this if you ask rephrase all the questions, yeah, just over and over you're asking and the same your question, question just rephrase. Over over, rephrase it, you'll get the answer yeah, you're you'll looking get, for yeah. eventually. Yeah. Okay, the other thing his attorney is still pissed off about the lineup that they did. Remember Mm -hmm. when they had him in jail and they said they were using him because he looked similar to somebody else or that Mm -hmm. they do it all the time. He's still pissed off about that. So he filed 
all of these motions. So they goes to trial. Um, his brother testifies and also a police sergeant, but no one connected with the grand jury would discuss the topic of anything that was said on trial so far. The DA says, I can't make any comments on persons who appear before the grand jury. But at this point, finally, the police confirm that Wood is a suspect in the deaths of the young women found in the desert. And they set the trial date for March 14th. But remember, this trial is for the aggravated assault and kidnapping, a sexual assault and kidnapping, mm-hmm. not the deaths yet. There's another article that shows up March of 88. I got a quite a bit of information here, but they go to the jail and they interview David Wood. And of course he is saying he's innocent. He says, take my word for it. I'm not the guy and I'm going to do everything I can to fight just to prove that fact. So he also has given himself the nickname number one bad guy. And you're not supposed to give yourself a nickname. But that's And why would you if you're innocent, why would you give exactly. yourself that nickname? Right. Um, number one murderer. <laughs> what the fuck? Well, <laughs> but I didn't do all these murders. Yeah. But I'm the number one bad guy. Um he's he also says he admits that he said what you see here is very damning and it really sets me up and that's what leads the police to believe that I'm the guy. He said he is being investigated for something he didn't do, something he said he couldn't possibly do, except maybe in self-defense, something that he's certain that he will be indicted for. He said, if they have no evidence, no suspects, no leads, hell, they're going to go for the underdog and I'm the underdog. I'm There's- sorry, did he not do some of these things already? He's already been convicted and served time that, and for I think that's what he's and rape. Well, that's what he's referring to when he says they don't have anything directly connecting him to the deaths of those women. He is connected to some of them in different ways, but they don't have any proof. And that's what he's saying. Okay. It does look bad on his part because he knew a couple of them. One of them he dated and he's got sexual assault charges from his past. And so, yeah, he is on paper. He looks like the exact kind of person they would be looking for mm-hmm. and who did it. But He swears he didn't do it. He says they have no hair, no fingerprints, no tire tracks, no nothing. He says, how can they tie you to something you didn't do? And they're saying that he looked much older, even though he was only 30, he looked really old. They said he used to be a mechanic. Uh, He says he's good with his hands, woodworking and such. They say his right forearm, he has got a butterfly tattoo on his right forearm. Ew. And above it is the likeness of Jesus. Ew. Uh-huh. The left forearm features a knife wrapped in a ribbon. On his left shoulder is a human skull that gazes up towards his neck. Its hair is tangled into a snake hanging down to his triceps. I know. Um, he also has tattoos of a cobra circling his belly. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you think it... This sounds funny. Yeah. Um, and a Harley Davidson bike on his back. Um, He has another skull, this one with a knife, on his chest. Um, He got all these tattoos during his 1976 to 1980 and then 1980 to 1987 prison terms. Uh, So these are all prison prison tattoos. So they're not like what we have. Yeah. Yeah. It's all black ink, clearly. Mm -hmm. They said his otherwise friendly voice can contain rage. His tempers flare from time to time. And his frequent laugh is silence as he talks about the bodies found in the desert. Remember, we're talking about he has like a nervous laugh. Sometimes he can't <laughs> help it. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so creepy. I know. Super. So Wood is being interviewed. He says, I don't even like to be questioned about stuff like this. I mean, if people question me on a robbery or a drug sale or something of this sort, or if I got in a fight with somebody and I hurt them hard enough to kill them, that I can understand. It's the mere fact of them saying... 
well, how did this girl die? He said, I feel like telling them something not really nice. Um, so he says that, you know, these detectives were sitting there with their smug little faces, smiling at him, trying to insinuate that he's a killer. He says, they know the pain and the harassment they put my family through. They know everything they've done to me in my life and they're enjoying it. He said he did meet one of the young women who are now listed as missing and three of the victims found in the desert and dated a girl who resembles one of the others. So I said earlier he was connected to two. He's connected to three. Of them. He asked the cops, what are you going to do? Lock me up for every girl I ever met? He's claiming that the sexual assault and kidnapping charges are just excuses to keep him locked up while the detectives search for something concrete to link him with the bodies found in the desert. So basically this guy claims that he's had many, many, many girlfriends. He says, if I had a list of every girl that I met, well, let's, let's, let's step back a little bit. He targets certain types of women. Hoes. Young girls. He likes hoes. They are runaways. Some of them. Some of them do work in the strip joint. Emotionally. And he does do drugs as well. So I'm sure that that is part of his MO. Hey, I got drugs. Let's go have a good time. Mm -hmm. You like black tar heroin? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So he's saying he's, he's met a lot of women. Um, He said, if I had a list of every girl that I met in Northeast El Paso, it would be about 14 or 15 pages. Some of these women still support him. So one of his ex-girlfriends is quoted as saying, I know David and he's not that kind. He's generous. He's understanding. A little rapey, but all right. He's the kind of guy you can really talk to, but of course they're not going to release this girl's name. She said she met Wood in June, four months before he was arrested in October. They spent their dates at Magic Landing, watching Diablo's fireworks, or playing video games at a pizza place. They asked her if she was frightened that Wood might be involved in the deaths. She said it did at first. But then she thought to herself, no way, he couldn't have done it. David, no, he's too sweet. She said she and Wood often double dated with her best friend and Wood's brother, Randy. So since his arrest, Wood spends his time playing Monopoly, talking to friends on the pay telephone. Oh, clearly he's a fucking psycho. If he plays Monopoly, he's a fucking psycho. (laughs) No, you don't play Monopoly for fun. I like Monopoly. Well, he is in jail. Okay. Yeah. So that's what he's spending his jailhouse days doing. Okay. Um, and writing letters. He recently finished reading a book called Cops, which I thought was funny. I didn't know there was a book, but it's by Mark Baker, if you're interested. He says that every time the detectives question him, they do their best to get him to tell them something. And he keeps saying, like I told you before, I haven't done anything. He says, plus, actually, this, this was interesting to me. He said, if I had done it, I would have done it differently. He says, if I'm going to kill somebody, I'm going to put them 15 feet under, up in the mountains where coyotes can't get to them. I'm not stupid. I'm not brave either. But I'm not going to be such an idiot that I'm going to go out and commit crimes that everybody and their aunts and uncles would know what my face looks like if I was going to do that. It's got to be somebody that doesn't really give a damn that they were found or it was made to look like it was too easy. If you really want to know the truth of the matter, he says, you've got some bodies lying up in the desert close to people where people frequent all the time with just some dirt shoved on top of them. 
He said he doesn't have any idea how the victims died, but suggested they might have been overdosed or stabbed, since authorities say they have not found any bullet fragments or broken bones. And he also disputes police warnings that there was a serial killer out there. Remember in the beginning they were saying it could be a serial killer. He's trying to say that there's a lot of stuff that ties everything together. Because remember that some of the parents worked together. Some of the girls went to the same school. Um, He just thought that was really odd. He said it doesn't seem random. And basically he was saying if he had done it, he would have confessed. He said, I've committed other crimes in the past. And I basically said, yes, I did it. So he's trying to make it look like I'm an honest guy. Why would I lie? Mm -hmm. Piece of shit. So you think uh, you think he's guilty then? <laughs> I I can't say yet. I, I'm gonna hold that until the end. But whether or not he did kill the women that they found in the desert, he is has raped people. Yeah, and he's a piece. He's of shit. a piece of shit. <laughs> March sixteenth of eighty eight, the uh, trial for the assault begins, and at the same time, they find the sixth body. So this was Ivy, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So they're getting started. This is Tuesday. So they're trying to keep the jurors in a hotel because they don't want them to hear the reports about the sixth body found in the desert. So this, it was a pretty dramatic day for the jury because along with the court trying to prevent them from finding out about the sixth body, one of the persons that testified was a 27 year old sex worker and heroin addict. Uh, saying that Wood drove her to the desert, forced her out of his pickup, made her stand in front of the truck while he went behind a bush with a shovel and dug for about 10 minutes. She said he kept telling me, don't turn around, bitch. Yeah. The woman said they heard voices and Wood pushed her into the truck, drove to the desert where he tied her up and raped her, telling her, tell me you're 13. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Remember, I said he's a piece of shit? Yeah, yeah we're, we're crossing over to Law & Order SVU now. Yeah. <laughs> then his brother was sworn in as a witness, so that way the court would have the power to prohibit him from looking into the courtroom and staring at the woman who David said raped her. Ew. Yeah. So for March 16th, 1988, I have that. A couple was searching for aluminum cans. They're the ones that found mm-hmm. the, the, mm-hmm. the sixth body. Yeah. And that... The main suspect was David Wood, who was currently awaiting a change of venue trial for unrelated sexual assault from last July, and that the attempted rape and sexual assault, the rape happened right near where the bodies were found, mm-hmm. which is how they felt he was responsible. Yep. Yep. And then on March 20th of 1988, they saw that the victim was Ivy Susanna Williams, mm-hmm. And they figured out it was her because of her history of drug use and prostitution arrest using her dental records Mm -hmm. and that she had braces. So his defense attorney, Lewis, um, has made several motions to move the trial out of El Paso County. And so they also decided to sequester the jury. So he's afraid that because they're sequestering the jury, it could cause them to take their frustration of being separated from their families out on his client. Judge Baca said... The motion to move the trial is still being considered. So the alleged victim is on the stand, started to answer a question by the DA, but she hesitated and said, can I say something? And they they agreed. So he said, Wood's brother is out there looking at me. So the jury was rushed out of the courtroom. Baca asked if Randy was going to be a witness, which was his brother. They said, yes. He said, get him in here. (laughs) 
And so he, he tells Randy, my understanding is that you're a possible witness. You are under the power of the court. And then later that woman was being cross-examined by the court appointed attorney. He held up a newspaper, pointed out the front page of the headlines about the sixth body and the story inside. And the jurors were brought back in and told they were going to be sequestered. He did not tell them why. The trial was recessed for the day. So when they were talking about if he gets found guilty, the judge was talking to the two attorneys, mm-hmm. the to the DA and to the defense attorney and was saying, you know, I want to make sure you understand what charges he would be filed under. The judge made sure in front of the court without the jury there that he wanted the maximum sentence for him, which was 50 years. He said, and I quote, the only remedy is to warehouse him for want of a better word so no more women have to suffer. So he basically tells him, I'm sorry if he's found guilty in this, I don't want him back out Mm -hmm. because too many women have been hurt. And then I'm sure the judge, knowing that a sixth body has been found and in the back of his mind, he's wondering if it's him, it's just better to keep him in for as long as possible. Right. So that means what Wood said earlier in the interview from the newspaper reporters, he's right. Mm -hmm. They are trying to keep him in there until they can find concrete evidence to tie him directly to it. So the judge also tells the court on March 25th of 1988, he addresses the court and wants everyone to understand. I think mainly this was more of a publicity stunt in a way. Like I think he wanted the city to know how hard they're working on everything going on and so he tells the court the city of el paso is financially strapped we have allocated seventy five thousand dollars to the police departments and they have their own desert death task force and so far 28 grand has been spent for dogs transportation and special equipment and that doesn't cover overtime the task force is shrinking by the day Because more and more cops and detectives just couldn't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. After that, some of the policemen that were in there, the detectives that are working the task force case, they left. The ones that were watching the trial, they got up and left. I don't know if maybe they felt like, he's right, I should be out there looking. Or if they felt like, maybe like the eyes are on them, you know? Like, people are looking around... Like, why aren't you All this money is being spent and you're here watching this trial, mm-hmm. right? Also, underneath that, there was a an article about how El Paso was in a state of semi-chaos. Some people felt like either women were leaving El Paso or they were staying indoors. You know, they were scared to be outside. Mm-hmm. I'd be scared. And that it inspired a community group to give elementary school kids identity cards. To be sewn into children's clothing or laced into their shoes. And they were making it mandatory. And so they were telling the parents, you need to fill out these cards and then send them to school with your children and send them to school with their best attire so that the school can sew them into their clothes, Mm -hmm. make it a jacket or make it a vest, something that they'll wear with every outfit. And if they don't have that, then their best pair of shoes, Mm -hmm. because we're worried that We won't be able to identify these young kids if something were to happen. And they did see a lot less homeless women. Men were still homeless. Close to no homeless women were there. They were just, they disappeared or they found a place to go. Mm -hmm. I know you talked briefly about what the victim said on the stand Mm -hmm. about the one alleging. So I have her full testimony. Okay. Okay. So the victim testified that she was walking outside of a convenience store in Northeast El Paso when Wood asked her if she needed a ride. She accepted, but he did not take her home. He stopped at an apartment complex. He went inside and returned with a piece of rope. He drove northeast toward the desert, 
and after driving around for a period of time, he stopped the truck, got out, and ordered her out. He also had a brownish-red blanket that he had in the back of his truck, and he had taken that out with him along with the rope. He tied her to the front of his truck with the rope and then began digging a hole behind some bushes, and he returned with the blanket and began ripping her clothes off and forced her to the ground near where the six bodies have been found. Mm Mm-hmm. And he kept saying he kept hearing voices. Mm-hmm. And he ordered her to go back into the truck. And then he drove to a different location where he stopped the truck, ordered her out, spread the blanket on the ground, and forced her to remove her clothes. He gagged her, tied her to a bush, and raped her. Afterwards, he stated he heard voices again, threw all of his stuff in the truck, and drove away, leaving her naked in the desert. And then a month after the attack, the first body was found. So after they listened to her testimony, the DA wanted some character witnesses, but not the character witnesses you would think like good character witnesses. Other character witnesses that had the same type of incident with David Wood to show how he's not a very good person. He's got a pattern of behavior. He's a predator. He's a piece of shit. So the one thing the DA wanted to show in agreement with the judge that he needed the maximum sentence was that... He had future dangerousness. That's what Yeah. No. Dangerousness. Dangerousness. That is is awesome. Stay dangerous. So, of course, the DA does talk about his previous charges that he'd already served. And then um, a previous prostitute or sex worker that was fond of Wood. (laughs) (laughs) Fond of David Wood got on the stand and stated that he offered her money for sex while she was standing on a street corner. She got into the truck and told him to go to a motel, and instead he pulled a knife on her and told her he was going to rape her and kill her, and she jumped out while it was moving and was injured. Another Which, actually, that happens a lot with uh, mm-hmm. street workers. It's, it's part of the gig. Well, and as if it's not hard enough life that they're having sex for a living, and then they get into the car with someone, and then that person tries to kill them. Like, this person voluntarily got in They're the car. They're already fucked up in the head. They voluntarily got in your car to give you pleasure for money. And then you want to jip them out of their $20 or their $50 <laughs> or their $100. Like, that's fucked up. Yeah, it is. I agree. Like, you asked them to get in the car. You asked for their services. Um, another woman stated that when she was 13, he grabbed her when she was walking home and raped her underneath the bridge. Another woman said when she was 12... He approached God. her and asked her for help in finding his dog, and he raped her um, in a garage. Another woman, who was 23, said she got a ride home from him and another man. They drove to the apartments. Both men got out. David Wood came back alone, started driving, pulled over, and raped her. Then a psychiatrist got on the stand and testified, given the facts of the crime, he believed that he should be considered as a dangerous man. And he has a future of danger. That's just how he's going to be. There's no changing him. He has this repetitive behavior. And all these women had tried to press charges against David Wood previously, but they couldn't find the person that did it. So once these women came forward, they were able to close the case in in the sense that they found who it was. But because there was no physical evidence, because this one girl said when she was 12 and she was now almost 18, so it's been six years since the rape. So there's but obviously... But didn't she remember... Like, I would imagine you don't forget that person's face. No, they know who it was. But right. 
It's interesting. So they identified how, him and said correct. he's the one that did it. Correct. So there there wasn't physical evidence at that point, but they they said that was him. Right. And they all came forward after these women came out. So it's interesting how they're trying to build this case that he killed these six women and raped them and did all these awful things to them. They have no physical evidence. They have no witness. And now they have four other women that were raped. Very similar. All their stories are the same. And all they have is is hearsay. These women are all saying that he did it. Yeah. But he's it's, not being charged with those crimes. Right. So it's they still don't admissible. Yeah. It's they yes. don't. They right. don't have enough. They're using it to build his to Char- build against character assassination. Yeah. yeah, yeah there yeah. we go. Not testimony. Yeah. So he's he doesn't look so good. And then the jury comes out and he is convicted for the maximum sentence of fifty years mm-hmm. for the rape and a, attempted sexual assault because I guess they felt that he was going to do more damage. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Than he did because he was interrupted by the voices in his head. Bam, he's fucked already. Yeah, yeah. So mm. now he's in jail for fifty, 50 years. Fifty years. So very similar to the Harrelson case, they knew they had him in jail for a while. So I guess they weren't worried as much about convicting him or indicting him very soon because they knew he wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, I have an interesting story that happened after he was convicted. His attorney, his court-appointed attorney called the police and said someone drove into the yard of his upper valley home fired two shots and scattered beer cans all around he said a similar incident had happened previous in the month this sort of thing has been happening since i started defending a certain client so it had to be wood the attorney didn't want to talk to the press he normally doesn't do that but specifics are the people drove up into his yard at 225 in the morning the neighbor Her name is Melissa Chavez. She sees it. She calls the police and says that she heard three shots. And then when police are uh, scouring the area, they find what they described as shotgun indentations in her car. And on the ground, they found several pieces of shrapnel and two plastic casings. Um, She said she saw a black Chevrolet Blazer stop in front of her home and then drive through the attorney's yard. And she also told the officers that that attorney's been having problems with vandals due to unfavorable publicity. I understand the people of the community are upset, obviously, because all these Mm -hmm. young girls are missing and Mm -hmm. all the awfulness that's happening. Since he's a court-appointed attorney, he doesn't get to choose. He's just doing his job like Mm -hmm. anybody else does every day. So it's not really his fault. I don't give a fuck. Well, somebody, <clears throat> somebody read Callian. There's an attorney defending. I'm still gonna. I was gonna, gonna say the him. same thing. I was <laughs> gonna say, I gotta say, having the two daughters, if I think that guy did it, and this attorney, whether he's court appointed or not, I'm not gonna. I wouldn't be doing that. But he's still a weasel. He, I, I don't. I and I know it's not fair to him. Like you said, he didn't choose. He didn't choose that case, but. I feel like I'd have to do something. But whether even if I'm you, just like, but even if you do something to him, if he dr- I pooped if, on his doorstep, that's not gonna I left a flaming bag of shit. Mm-hmm. But what does that? What does that do? May, I don't know. It hurts him. It maybe a little, but it makes me feel a whole lot. It better. Makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> I I just don't know how doing that to him does anything. Because then, because then, if he's like, fine, I won't defend him. It anymore, probably doesn't. Then another person will. It probably doesn't. And we're I don't know. We don't know who. It, it doesn't ever say who did this. Whether or not they caught them. Um, and it's been happening for a while. It had been happening for a while. And that's why the, the attorney wasn't trying to make a big deal about it because maybe he expected that some of this would happen with all of these parents upset. Some of their daughters are missing. Some of them, their daughters are dead and they can't go outside. You know, like you said, 
And it's either, El either Paso women. fucking Texas. It's, it is El Paso fucking mm. Texas for sure, right? And there's a lot of chaos going on and it's just, emotions are really high. So okay. whether or not it makes sense, I think is beside the point because people aren't using, they're not thinking logically, they're thinking emotionally and they're just chaos. Mm-hmm. So early April, a 20-year-old woman reports to police that she was forced into the northeast El Paso desert and raped by three people. Mm. Now let's remember that currently David Wood is in jail. The attack occurred during all this other... Um, so she had been getting threatening phone calls because they. she said she owed people some money. So she filed two police reports within seven hours... And the first one was about the threatening phone calls. And when she wrote the report, she specifically said that the report should be viewed by Detective Johnny Guerrero, who was involved in the investigation of the the bodies that were found. So I don't know why she knew his name, but she wanted him to investigate this because it was where she was raped was close to where the bodies were found. So I think she's trying to tell him there might be a connection. And of course they talked to, or they tried to contact Grijalva, but he wouldn't comment. Remember, he was also involved in the investigation. Mm -hmm. The woman and her mother called police to report threats. The woman said she'd been receiving against her life. People are calling and threatening. Part of the report that's made public doesn't talk about what the people look like, but it just says that the three guys drove a primer gray colored van with dark blue carpet and Uh, and double back. (laughs) Double back doors. It also says a blue steel automatic handgun might have been used. And of course the attack occurred in the same general location where the bodies were found. So it sucks that people are still getting raped right in the area and David Wood is in prison. So I'm not saying he's innocent. I'm just saying it's it's still happening. Mm -hmm. Well, and also that northeast area of El Paso was very similar to like a red light district area. So, rapes were probably more common in that area. But also, if you were a bad person and you see on the news that all these bodies are turning up in the desert, you kind of feel like, well, hey, if we go do it and drop a body in the desert, they're not going to look at us. They may think this is a body that happened previously, right? And tie it to wood, not thinking about it. I don't know if they could do that, though, because the... ME will be able to tell that it yeah, happened after I'm the saying, fact. I think that they think the desert is a a safe place to do that. All these other things happen that it's, they may not look it's convenient. to them. Yeah. Yeah. And most predator most predators are opportunistic. Yep. If the time is if the tide is high they'll they'll go. Well and so yeah, to your point, that means they may not even really have been thinking about because other things have happened there. If it's in a red light district area, then it's just the most opportunistic or the most convenient place. Yeah, and place. It's in the desert, so mm-hmm. there's not like a lot of people walking by and do what you need to do and then roll out. Now there's this big push to continue to to go back and search the desert more. Off-duty officers, sheriffs, and off-duty soldiers decided to go back to the desert for two weekends in a row to search for more bodies. They said they would saturate as much of an area as they can with as many people as they can. The searches were scheduled to happen from 7 o'clock in the morning until the afternoon. Police said they don't want to resort to rototillers because they know that's going to disturb the area and, and any evidence if there is any. So that is a last resort, but it's a possibility if they 
get too desperate, which I think is really stupid. That's insane. Yeah, I know. I thought that too. And why are they waiting so long to decide to search this whole desert area? I don't. I think it's probably to appease the public and the other parents that are still wondering where their daughters are. I mean, let's not forget there's still several no, young so women saying, that, like, are, that are missing. Why did it take them so long to decide to do that? I know? thought it took them forever when they were looking for the, after they found the first two, from the time they found the first two till the time they found the next two. Yeah. Especially like, considering how close they were. Yeah. I, I don't, it sounds like shitty police work, yeah. but I don't. I like got, if you know that there's still this many kids missing and there's this possible person that's been using the desert as a dumping ground for bodies mm -hmm. that you would say well let's expand our search like now well, they did i mean remember in the pre in the part one they expanded their search into the border between el paso and new mexico remember mm -hmm. in chaparral they, they never found anything but they, go the but they did expand it yeah you know yeah. So anyway, they're focusing on searching everywhere. They've got lots of people who are volunteering. So it's, as a parent, I, I think I would be out there. Look, even if my daughter's not missing, if I can help another parent, I think I would be out there. So they talk about that. In June of 89, they transfer wood from El Paso County Jail to the Texas Department of Corrections. The transfer was nine months after his arrest and three months after his conviction of the 50-year sentence of the rape. But at this time, no charges have been filed in the deaths of the six young women found in the desert. How agonizing for the I parents. would be so frustrated. I swear. You know, like as if it's not bad enough that you lost your child violent way and then they were thrown in the desert like nothing. And then you have to wait for this piece and of see, shit. Maybe this is the motivation that they're tearing up the freaking court appointed attorney's yard because they have no other way to release that frustration mm -hmm. that you just started talking about. Yeah. Or one of the... One of the parents actually has money. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, that confers power. So. Absolutely. I'm going to take my money away from y'all's department if you don't get your asses in gear. Yep. That does happen. So. That mm -hmm. tiller though, that just. I know. fucks with my head. I know. <laughs> what? Because <laughs> it's so detrimental. It's just yeah. going to. Well, even only. if there are bodies in there isn't it just going to rip it all up and yeah. you're destroying evidence and, well, and isn't it going to throw it from one place to another place it, it'll so destroy there's no way everything yeah. it'll it's destroy just everything digging it's like when you want to build a garden or whatever yeah, you, you dig. tear it you just tear mm -hmm. it up but to search a square mile using a rototiller give me that give me a fucking break <laughs> no <laughs> i have to do 50 feet of work with a rototiller i'm pissed it's gonna yeah. take six years yeah. <laughs> and we're talking about the hard ground of yeah. the desert uh, hmm. Yeah, not very... It's functified, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> and you would wonder if the people that are volunteering wouldn't question, is this the best approach? Right? Like, why are, they, are we... Are they fucking with us right now? Yeah. <laughs> is this really what they want us to do? I'm not so sure. Yeah. Doesn't sound logical to me either. Mm -hmm. So on July 14th of 1990, mm -hmm. um, David Wood is indicted and charged due to new evidence that's been brought fourth to the grand jury while he's serving his 50-year sentence. What is this new evidence? This new evidence shows that one of the victims, Williams, was stabbed several times with a sharp instrument and others were killed by some other means and some other kind of instrument or weapon unknown to the grand jury. There's two main pieces that are brought to the grand jury. Number one is that Williams was stabbed. And How do they know she was stabbed? Does it say? Because of... I know their bodies were really decomposed, so... 
some of the pieces of bone, when they were able to put her spine together, they were able to tell that the back of her ribs had niches in them, notches, little nicks. Notches. It was consistent with stab wounds. Oh, that sucks. And the type of blade that was used to make the marks that it made was the same exact type of knife that he had in his possession when he was arrested. That son bitch. And it wasn't just a regular pocket knife. It was the way that, I guess, the blade cut. However it was made, it fit perfectly into all of the nicks in there. And based on her size and the depth of that knife, if it had been a bigger person overall, it wouldn't have gone gone so deep. But it it was a fairly small knife, but it just, it fit perfectly. That and these orange fibers. Now, the orange fibers are interesting. Okay. Because they're stating that there were some orange fibers that were found in a vacuum in his apartment. The orange fibers were found in the chamber, you know, where you cleaned Mm -hmm. it out. And those same fibers were found in his truck, also coming from the orange blanket that he had in his truck. And this orange blanket was the same orange blanket that the rape victim stated that she saw him pull from his truck to lay down that he raped the woman on. So there's a witness that he owns that blanket and those fibers match that blanket and the blanket was in his truck. And those fibers were found on Williams. Oh, okay. So So some of the clothing that she did have on her still, these fibers were on. So they're stating that he didn't bury her in the blanket, but he had wrapped her in the blanket at some point or used it just like with the other rape victim. He laid it down, raped her on it, and then killed her, put her in the grave, and put that back in his truck. Now, he didn't clean his apartment. He had a maid that cleaned his apartment. So this vacuum wasn't technically his. It was the maid's. And she uses it at, uh, at other houses. Correct. So then... So How is that going to stick? Because right. you can't prove it came from his place. But the fibers match his blanket. So this new evidence is stating that the only other places that she cleans were some office buildings and a few other homes. And well, none of those homes had men in them, uh, which mm. I find a little bit odd. <laughs> uh-huh. Because even if you, let's say you're a single woman, how do you know that no man has ever been in there? Yeah, Did you, you never don't. have anybody come fix your plumbing? Because mind you, this is now three years after the murders happened. Mm-hmm. So, and they're just now showing this evidence because his apartments, obviously no one's gone in there. It's, you know, considered a crime scene and evidence until. Yeah, it gets hemmed up. Yeah. So they're just now testing this. So this is still new. But when they talked to the maid, she basically said, I used that vacuum on him because everything that was in his apartment stayed. So I used that vacuum last in his apartment, and I also vacuumed his truck out for him. But you have to, you got to think, too, at the same time. Like, how many blankets can a factory shit out a week? Right. I mean, well, and where did he even get that blanket? That blanket did he even from? buy it from was El Paso? It handmade did in he, India? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and. She said she also vacuumed out his truck. Now, the interesting part about this vacuum, which I know it may seem like, why are we going into so much detail about this vacuum? But if anyone's ever vacuumed your car out, you can't use a regular vacuum unless it has a hose on it. You do have to have an attachment. This vacuum had no hose. So did she pick the vacuum up and just... She said she never used that vacuum on his... I vacuum my truck with regular vacuum. (laughs) And it just did not make sense. It, it doesn't make sense. Is there a picture of the vacuum? Like what no. kind? Of, yeah. So I want to see this vacuum. All, all it said was it was a Hoover. But think about 
think about the one that mom has that's a it's a canister and it's got like the long hose with a small according to this it's just it's a an regular hoover household vacuum like just like the one i have without a hose so that would be hard and so what his unless you just take the hose off and use the hose was you disconnect this this doesn't have a hose so of course the first thing that it's weird that wood says is how would that vacuum because he has a truck with a bench seat He's like, there's no way that that vacuum would even fit in my front seat. So he's even saying that his maid is lying because he's... Well, he's saying that she used to vacuum out that he had a rug in the back of his truck. And she would vacuum that out for him. Now, if she took the rug out and vacuumed it, exactly. that's one thing. Exactly. But she that's didn't get in the bed of the truck with the vacuum and vacuum it. So, oh, I wasn't even imagining the No, back. but I think that's what... I was imagining the inside, inside. of his truck. Right. But what I'm saying is that's what he's saying is, yes, I had a rug in the back of my truck and she would vacuum the rug in the back of my truck. But there's no way that vacuum would ever fit in between the steering column and the yeah. front seat or the other side. Yeah. And my seats are leather. So why would she even back? That doesn't even make sense. The rape victim said that the blanket was in the back of the truck. So if she did vacuum the rug in the back of the truck, those fibers would be on there. So one of the parents was like, here's... $100,000. Yeah, right? Tell them. Yeah. Yeah. And she was... I know a guy that can put the orange fibers she, here. She did have an interpreter when she was with the, in front of the grand jury because she did not understand a lot of the questions. And how are you going to have a blanket in the back of your truck? When you take off and you're driving mm-hmm. down the road, isn't that shit going to blow out? Like, Is it inside something in the back of his truck? Does this, he have a toolbox? Like, you it, can't... Was, it was described as more of an Afghan rug than a blanket. A poncho. So style. not like a throw that you'd have on a couch, but like a heavy woven Afghan. So it wasn't a blanket. It was a rug. It was described as a blanket, but <laughs> the way that the maid described it, which she seemed to know her stuff a little bit better than would, was that it was a Afghan rug he would roll up and it was in the back of his truck. So I guess if it was rolled and it was heavy enough, it would be in the back. Okay. Not like a throw he'd use on a couch. Well, even then, if it's spread out and it's in the back of the truck, it's not going to go anywhere. Unless it's really light. It's like a tornado or something because as you're driving a truck, it creates, you know, it cuts the wind mm-hmm. and it goes around over the truck. So in the bed of the truck, there's not nearly as much wind as you might think. I've ridden back in there. Right. Lots of times. sat up. But if you lay down in it, it's just a little vortex. That's true. If you're laying down. You'll see a piece of trash sit there and go like this in the back of a truck. And then eventually just get sucked out. Every once in a while. (laughs) Okay. So so after this new evidence, two of the main detectives that are on the Desert Death Task Force go before the grand jury and they basically tell them, I know you already know some of his past. But, you know, he was in jail previously in 1975, and he served a five-year sentence for indecency with a child. And then later in 1980, when he was released, he was convicted of raping a 19-year-old and a 13-year-old and was sentenced to 20 years. But after seven years, he was paroled. Mm -hmm. Fuck it. Let's pin some murders on it and just make him go down. And he went home to El Paso. In less than 30 days of him being home, girls started going missing. So how is it that this can't be him? And also, a cellmate of his goes to the grand jury. He was a previous cellmate of Wood, so he doesn't have any charges. There's really nothing he's going to gain by going to the grand jury. Because he's out on parole. He has no convictions. He's clean. He's been doing what he's supposed to. 
He goes before and he said, I want to let you know that I was his cellmate for this many years and they were able to confirm that. And he said, I spoke to him and he would tell me a story at least once a month. And his story was that of how he would get his victims. Mm -hmm. And he said, I would lure my victims to the desert with drugs. I've killed 15 women and I buried one alive. (gasps) Oh my god! And he would laugh about it. Remember he had the laugh that he maybe couldn't help. Oh, that's true. The cellmate... Again, I mean, like I said, what what does he have to gain to go to go tell this? He's not getting money for it. He's yeah. oh, maybe he says, who knows. Um. So he goes before. So with all this new information, obviously he is indicted, and they do ask his cellmate to testify in the trial, which he does agree to, and then the trial is going to be set in Dallas. They've decided that they need a bigger place for it to be. An interview is done with Mrs. Wheatley. Okay. Who is the mother? Yeah, Desiree's mom. Yes. Yep. And she says, and I quote, this was sad. Um, Some nights I can't go to sleep. I have these thoughts. Did she suffer? When did she know she was going to die? I'd like to ask him those questions. I know she called out for me. I can hear her sometimes in my sleep and I can hear her crying mama. And I wake up and think, was that real? Isn't that awful? Like, how do you live your life? How do you go on? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I mean, I don't know. I'm I mean, yeah, up. don't get me wrong. Holy fuck. That's yeah, like awful. that's what you think about when you sleep every night. But was her kid a turnkey kid? No, she was. This was one of the good ones. This was this 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 mom seems to be the most involved. Well, yeah. Even up until today, up to this day, she still does interviews and she still wants to find those other girls because mm-hmm. she feels that, you know, my daughter was one of those ones that she was not a sex worker. She wasn't a topless dancer. She didn't she, run away. She didn't run away. I kept close eye on her. And she disappeared and she was killed. And so she doesn't want this to happen anymore. She wants to make sure that all these girls are found. And she still does interviews up until today. So she's been a a very consistent person up until now. In the interview, she said she wanted to make sure Wood knows who she is and that she's never going away. She started a chapter of the National Group of Parents of Murdered Children where she said she shares the advice that the quote unquote, awful gut-wrenching pain in your stomach will never go away. And she started meetings that go up every month. And usually about 20 people started arriving, which broke her heart because it's too many parents mm-hmm. having to go to a meeting that their child is gone. But unfortunately in this area, they all can understand well, each other. Not yep. just gone, but fucking murdered. Mm-hmm. Taken away. And then the trial started in October of 92 in Dallas. They were anticipating it to last about two months and in opening statements wood is declared uh, mentally retarded i fucking knew it mm-hmm. after <laughs> after three separate psych tests from three different psychiatrists the judge did not allow any psychiatrist to see him or talk to him that was from texas they did not want any biased right anything. they needed someone so that- these three psychiatrists also were not told of his past they wanted these three psychiatrists to walk in with a completely, completely unbiased clean, yep. clean slate. One from the north, one from uh, the west, and one from the northwest. And then a bartender so, as a placebo. <laughs> <laughs> so they, and all Control. three of them mm-hmm. pretty much had the same thing, but that his IQ was very low. Mm-hmm. And that he had a lot of violent tendencies and that he could be violent. So even though they didn't know that he'd already been convicted on multiple charges of violence... They could tell just by their evaluation that he had the tendency to be repetitively violent. In November of 92, the trial had lasted about 
three weeks. So I guess it didn't last as long as they thought it was going to. Defense attorneys were going through State's case and they accused prosecutors of making quantum leaps in logic and the El Paso police for framing wood. So Quijano was stated as saying, if there was ever a circumstantial evidence case that walked down the path, this is the one. Prosecutors fired back instructing jurors to examine the case in its entirety, particularly the orange blanket fibers that they say incriminated wood. They showed this throw, I guess you could say, or rug, this orange blanket that they showed the fibers, but they could never find the blanket. I was going to ask. So one thing that was odd is that if his apartment has been like sanctioned, like no one can go in or out, it's taped, it's apparently they said that for 72 days in a row after they even anticipated him to be a suspect, no one was in or out of his apartment. No one for 72 straight days. So if no one's in or out 72 days and his truck has been impounded mm-hmm. for state's evidence, how does the blanket disappear? How, how does this blanket that they're, that they're saying is like the nail in the coffin? Yeah. How, where's the blanket? That's a good question. And so they had a similar Afghan like rug that, the witness that put him away for the 50 years for rape, she states it was similar and apparently it was the same manufacturer of the type of Afghans that are sold in El Paso. But Wood said that if they're talking about the blanket that they're referring to, he didn't buy that in El Paso. He bought it at a truck stop along the way somewhere in Texas. So it could have been the same manufacturer. There's no 100% proof. Well, in my opinion, in my opinion... (laughs) He's retarded. Well, he's, he's killing and raping his way across El Paso. Even if he didn't, fuck him. Well, and I don't, and I feel like with what he's done in his past, he shouldn't have gotten paroled. Yeah, and I he agree shouldn't with have that. gotten out. So I agree. it's safer for him to be in prison, and mm-hmm. it's safer for everyone else for him to be in prison. Young ladies. So the bl- fuck him. The fibers just seem like a little bit of a stretch to me. Yep. Surprised that they allowed that in when there's no like. Affirmative, no yeah. Like we found these fibers, circumstantial. Yeah, we yeah. found we found these fibers. I mean, Quahano is correct when he says that we find these fibers that are in your vacuum cleaner that was also used to vacuum other people's houses. They're supposedly found in your truck, maybe in your house. We don't have the source of the fibers. <laughs> you know, like it just sounds crazy. So jurors deliberate, and the next day, the jury finds Wood guilty of capital murder. And could be sentenced to death. One thing I found interesting, which I don't know if this is how it's supposed to be when you are jury finding someone guilty or not guilty, and there's multiple murders, but they said that what took the juror so long was that they had to find him guilty of one or all. I mean, sorry, guilty of none or all. They couldn't have said, okay, well, we think he killed this girl. We don't think he killed the other girls. They either had to find him guilty for none or all. Really? Yeah. That's neat to me. So the the jurors were having a hard time because they were saying, we do think that he killed the girl, Desiree, because Williams, she was a sex worker. She had the history of cocaine. Or was it heroin? Drugs. (laughs) She had history of drugs, Mm -hmm. history of prostitution, and the fibers linked him. But the other ones they just felt was an overkill. But they couldn't say, well, we think it was just this girl and not the others. It was all or none. 
Okay. Let's just, let's so, just go for all of them yeah. then. So they were they all went found for all of them. Close together. And, that, and I guess because they were found together and they were in the and, same manner. And they were similar in age. They were all women. Some of them were women that he admitted to having known. Mm-hmm. So he was around them. Mm-hmm. They knew him. It's It's just interesting to me that they tried them all together. Usually, a murder case is individualized. Yeah, it's yeah. But this point. was on the first degree on the second, and then yeah. So this is that was, was that a decision made by the judge or the grand jury? That I don't know. Huh. I don't. I don't know. But hmm. they said that the jurors kept coming back and saying, "Well, we think that he's guilty of these three. And the judge kept saying, "It's all or none." So it was the judge. Then. It could be the judge. Yeah. Okay. It so was the judge. If the he's judge, he's a maximum well, judge. That's, yeah. that's what the judge was saying that it's all or none. But I don't know whose decision ultimately that was. If it was the grand jury stating we're trying him for all or none, or if it was the judge. Sounds like the judge. If the jury's going back and saying. We're having a hard time pinning all of this on him. And he was like, well, it's all or none. And they were like, okay, well, then it's all. Because that was what was told them from the beginning. Yeah. Oh, that, from the beginning. From the beginning. And they kept going back being like, well, can we just try him for these? And he's like, no, it's all or, it's all or none. Hmm. This is just how it is. So he's found he's found guilty for all all dim murders. Oh, and the rapes. Yeah. And, and rape. his IQ is below 68. Yeah. I just don't see how anyone could have said... Yes, he's already served one term for raping and assaulting a 16-year-old. Rotting like a fucking Viking. Now you're back after having indecency with a 13-year-old and raping a 19-year-old. We're just going to give you 20 years but make you do seven. Like, what makes you think that he's not going to do it again? This was already his second time. Why did you let him out? I mean, I am among those taxpayers that don't like to pay for prisoners to be there. I feel like... I'd rather my tax money go to better things than keeping prisoners alive. But I would, in that situation, I'd rather him stay there or be mm-hmm. or have lethal or injection kill. than yeah. be out killing other people. Well, it it sounds like they were going to execute him because I found this. This is from 2017, though. It says the execution of David Wood, known as the Desert Killer, has been pending for 25 years. That's oh. a bunch of bullshit. He and his lawyers are exhausting all appeal mm-hmm. options in his conviction in the deaths of the women found in the desert. Fucking rape and murderists, that's what they do. They ride those appeals until they die of natural causes. And then you have that poor kid that died in his 20s who was actually innocent. Johnny Frank Garrett. Yeah, that was... And he was only on death row for what? Less than 10 years? Less than that, yeah. It's a bunch of bull honky. Did you say bull honky? I said bull honky. Okay, hold on. Now I'm going to have to skedaddle. Don't hate on my skedaddling. Yeah, because I do remember when I saved some of the pictures... That there's like an old picture of him. Like he looks like he's in his yeah. late 60s, early 70s. And I'm like, this motherfucker's still alive. Is still getting retired? to breathe. No. Looks like a normal 70-year-old. The here he is. Ew. He looks like a racist. He's still alive and in jail. He hasn't been executed or anything. One other thing I wanted to make sure we covered. I wanted to call out the three young women that are still missing just to kind of maybe revive it a little bit to help their parents. If, I mean, wouldn't it be great if we could help find them? So there's three of them. One of them, her name is Marjorie Knox. She didn't return home after a Valentine's day party in 1987. When she disappeared, she was 14 years old. She was five, three, about 115 pounds and had brown hair that may have been bleach blonde. According to a flyer, she may have been pregnant at the time. Oh, no. Yeah. 
Another one is Melissa, A-L-A-N-I-Z. Alanis. Alanis. When she disappeared, she was 13. Uh, she left her house to go play video games at a neighborhood convenience store. That rings a bell because remember mm-hmm. this David Woodgott liked to play video games. When she disappeared, she was 5'2", 105 pounds with dark hair. And the third one is Cheryl Lynn Vasquez. She was a graduate of Andrus High School. She was last seen at a Circle K store at McCombs Street, which was right close to that desert where they found the bodies. She was described as 5'4", weighing 105 pounds with blonde hair. So I'll post this information and... a picture of them. Well, and this is ex- exactly why we didn't want to do cases that we, were yeah, unsolved. We normally but we just don't. kind of fell, we fell on well, it. Well, this has been solved, but I mean, there's uh, still people but, missing. But yeah. that's what we're saying. I mean, these three are, they're, they fit the same description. Right. And, they do. And all in the same area. So I just you, want to make sure that those, that, that they're not forgotten. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, so the story sucked. I hate, I, I mean, it was, the, you guys will probably be able to tell this is not our best work. And I got to say, it just was hard because having daughters and not that talking about murders and crime is exciting, but this one was especially hard because my poor daughters, I was on them every day. How are you doing? Are you okay? What's going on? Where are you? Constantly checking your location. location. Yes. You know, and I haven't clearly now when they listen to the story, they'll know why that I've been so edgy, but it's just like I have, I've even had trouble sleeping a couple of bad dreams you already have the fear like that's your worst fear but when you do a story and you're reading about it and it just it just brings it Mm -hmm. to the forefront and you think about it more often than you did before so i have to say um, that 187 lone star 187's given me a few nightmares has it oh yeah which ones gave you nightmares non-specific like it's not like you painted the picture for me and i dreamt about it right just in general running from the cops Sorry. And like I hear um and in my nightmares. Um, um <laughs> no, that's I'm just sorry. me laying next to you. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I don't know. I I think he did it. Do you think he did it? I think he did it. I think he did it too. I I think that because it was the '80s and early '90s, and we didn't have the science that we have now, that he was able to slimily fly under the radar a little bit and cast a little bit of doubt on whether or not he did it but he's a nasty nasty piece of shit Mm -hmm. and he has a really bad past and it's in it it's not just coincident that he shows up to a city and then girls go missing the same type of girls that he already has been convicted and confessed that he did these things and just because you're already in jail and you already have a 50-year conviction for rape and you don't admit to murder six women and young girls, just because you don't admit to that when you're already going to be in jail for a long time doesn't mean you didn't do it. Yeah. And just because you say, oh, well, if I did it, I would say it because I'm already here. No, you wouldn't because you don't want to admit that you are that much more of a piece of shit. Or maybe in his mind he thinks that he, if he can, if he can convince himself then he can convince everybody else. And there was a state- I mean, remember, he's not as mentally sharp as someone his age. So the statement that you said he made about, oh, well, if I was going to kill someone, I would bury them in the mountains and I would dig 15 feet. I'm mm-hmm. like, this guy never dug a hole before. Not in Texas. Because. Well, yeah, he did, but they but, were only two but feet That's feet. what I'm saying. I think he was trying to like exaggerate like, oh, if I was going to do it, I wouldn't do it in the desert and I wouldn't do just three feet. Well, when you live in the desert, it's a little bit inconvenient to drive how far to the mountains no. to do this. 
miles no. and miles and miles. Yeah. So I I don't know. I believe he did it. I I think he did. I it. mean, I know that there there were rapes that happened while he was a, after he was arrested in the same area, but that woman owed people money. I'm not saying that by any means did she deserve that, but there were other reasons. There was shit going on in her life that brought that so i guess i mean i did at first think well maybe he's innocent Mm -hmm. but as i read on i was like yeah no he is not innocent he did it but like you said rapes are still going to happen it's not like it's going to stop completely because he's in jail right and again he's is a predator so he's opportunistic Mm -hmm. so he's going to do it get the deed done and then directly afterwards he's going to Get rid of it. It's, you're there. You're in the desert. Why go anywhere else? Yeah. and Why go to the mountains? The girl that was raped with the three men, I mean, where else are they going to take her? Obviously, they're going to take her to the desert. Yeah. Where else are they going to take her? They can't take her to Macomb Street where everybody's watching. They don't want to take her back to their house or apartment, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, clearly, the desert's the best place. A lot of problems get solved in the desert. Yeah, I think he's a piece of shit and I'm pissed I'm still paying for his ass to get three meals a day we have uh, and we have a lot of pictures i found a lot of pictures in the newspaper of the victims as well as a lot of the areas where they were when they were digging i mean it doesn't show any of the bodies but look it shows them in the desert digging around one of them's uh one of the dogs that they use to help find them and then i've got a missing picture so I've only got one for one of the girls, but I'll get one for the others. Um, and it shows like what they look like when they disappeared and kind of a picture of what they look potentially like look like today. Stephanie told me about... Oh, that's right. This was Stephanie. About the Paso Strangler. Mm-hmm. But then when I researched it... The murders didn't happen in Texas. He was just from El Paso. So then I found this one and I was but like... But wait, wasn't, oh. was that the same, same time frame? Was it also in the 80s? It was very similar, yeah. But he did his killing other places. He just was from El Paso. So they called him the El Paso Strangler. Got it. So that's the story of the El Paso asshole. Rotten hell, you piece of shit. He ain't gonna Rest rot anytime peace. soon. He's still getting beefed up with meals and insurance. He gets all of his drugs and everything else. You're welcome. <laughs> You're not welcome. <laughs> Maybe maybe one of the guards will be like, mm, I think your time is put over. Put a ex- little extra sauce in the something, something. <laughs> so we thank everyone for listening. Yes. And of course, rest, rest in, in peace, peace, all those young girls. And I hope and pray for the parents. I hope they find some solace in their life. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. Thanks, guys. Bye, y'all. Lone Star 187 out. Love you. <laughs>